good morning, church. We're going to go ahead and let the kids go on over to Kids Church. Let's give them another hand as they go over this morning. So if you're visiting here with us, uh, maybe this is your first time or maybe you're fairly new here. My name is Ben James. I'm the lead pastor here. And I threatened that if they would not allow me to participate in the play or allow me to wear a costume, uh, that I was going to be preaching from the book of Revelation this morning. Turn to Revelations chapter 12. We are in a, I'm, I'm serious. Um, <laughs> It's going to be on the screen. You, you, we're going to be thankful for hope this morning. And before we read from Revelation chapter 12, I, I, we did this, Thomas, myself, and James, who's going to be interning for us after the first of the year as a preaching intern. We were sitting down talking about passages of Scripture. Uh, he's, James is um, ministering somewhere this morning as well, and we were talking about the different versions of the Christmas story, and he was talking about, he said, I think I'm going to preach out of Revelation chapter 12. I mean, Thomas and I were like, okay, good luck with that. Have fun. And then, which we usually try to do at least once a week, as we got together, we started going over the scripture that we're planning on covering both here on Sunday mornings, Thomas, Sunday evenings with youth, and James that particular morning with Revelation chapter 12. And we got to diving into that and talking about it and outlining it and bringing points out of it. And I was like, man, this is awesome. James, I'm going to preach on this. So he's preaching from Revelation chapter 12 where he is, and that's where we're going to be this morning as well. We're in a series called Thankful Beyond Thanksgiving. We've looked at being thankful for wonder. Uh, we've uh, talked about these, these moments last week of thankfulness that we need to make sure that we are pausing to appreciate, and this morning we're going to be thankful for hope. And we will be reading out of Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. Verse 1 says, And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains, the, the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she is a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Pray with me, if you would, this morning. Father, we thank you for the presence that we have felt here this morning. We're thankful for kids who love you. We're thankful for students who love you. And God, we're thankful for parents and adults who have care over these kids that love you, and part of the evidence of that is faithfully uh, including you into these children's lives. God, as we move into a time in your word, I pray that you open the ears of the listeners this morning, that the words that are spoken from here would challenge, would convict, and would comfort this morning. Father, I pray that you now use me 
Holy Spirit, I ask that you take my voice and give words to it. Let the words of Ben be very few this morning and allow me to speak your truth boldly and in love. In Jesus' name, amen. So many of us are familiar to some degree with the gospel accounts of the birth of Jesus. We see it in Matthew. We see it in Luke. Uh, we can even see it from a heavenly perspective in the first chapter of the Gospel of John. Uh, you can look back at that historical time and see these events detailed by these men who follow God. You can look even further back than that, and we did that first week. Uh, we looked into the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 9, where he was foretelling the birth of this Messiah, and not only about the birth of a Messiah, but one that was going to be born and conceived of a virgin. He then, in Isaiah chapter 9, started talking about the things that this Messiah would usher in, the accomplishments and this, this shifting that would take place as a result of this child being born. But this morning, we're taking a little bit of a look into Revelation, because this is, believe it or not, the story of the birth of the Savior, of the Messiah, of the Son who is promised. And we're going to talk a little bit about some details of this. I'm, I'm going to let you know up front, we're not going to get too carried away into the, red, the big red dragon thing. Okay, with all you know, with the crown, with a lot of horns, and we're not going to get caught up into all of this imagery this morning, which it's most certainly not of importance. But just like most everything in our Christian life, Jesus is the foundation of the message. The love of Jesus Christ, the fact that he was willing to come and die for us, to live a perfect death, to die an innocent death in a cruel fashion for us who are full of sin, fully fallible, and full of faults and failures. He was willing to take the justice and the sentencing and the curse of sin that we have, that we deserve, and he took it upon himself, albeit innocent, in order so that we could have relationship with him and the promise of an eternity in heaven with God. So this morning I want us to talk about hope. And I know that we've visited this subject a few times over the past couple years. How many of you, and I would ask that it would be by a show of hands, in moments these past few years, you have been struggling to find hope? Been struggling to find hope. The message of this house is that beyond and above anything else, we have to focus on Jesus Christ. That is our source of all things. And hope is one of those. Our hope cannot be found, cannot be established, cannot be built on anything other than Jesus Christ if you expect it to last. If you want a source of hope that's unmovable, unshakable, that will never change, that will never fail, that never gives up, then your source of hope cannot be found here on this world 
Amen? If that's the source, if that's the hope, if that's what you're wanting in your life, you're wanting to have that place, that person, that object where you can go and you can say, no matter what else is going on in my life, no matter what temptation, no matter what trial, no matter what tribulation, no matter what chaos I'm facing in my life, I can go to this place and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my hope is found there. And folks, that place is Jesus Christ. So I want us to look at a few places and why we can look at this passage in Revelation and we can see where this time of Advent, this coming of a Savior, this miraculous coming can be found and the hope that we can find in it. And I'm going to encourage you. The real name of the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, and now you can answer this in your head because I'm not going to ask you to embarrass yourself, but most of us in here, you maybe, are kind of leery of reading the book of Revelation. You're like, I don't, I don't, I don't read that, it scares me. That passage you just read, it talked about dragons, all right? I, I don't like that. Tail sweeping down a bunch of people. Talking about killing a, killing a son, that's the goal. I don't, I don't like that. It scares me. I don't understand it. At the foundation of this book, it reveals Jesus Christ. And that's the way that we need to read it. So I want us to look at our first source of hope. Our hope can be found in verse one, verses 1 and 2, is that we can trust in God to keep his word. Hope is found by trusting God to keep his word. So if we read verses 1 and 2 again, And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. I want to pause there for just a moment. And again, we're not going to get off into the weeds on this one, but this woman that's referred to here, it's widely believed and accepted by most scholars and theologians that this woman is Israel, is the nation of Israel. Okay, that's just that's for your information. It's not a whole lot. I don't want, like I said, don't want to get caught up here. Some people uh, believe that it's Mary. Some people believe that it's the modern day church. But mostly, and the the one that I ascribe to as well is the thought that John is this woman is being spoken about is the nation of Israel. So verse 2, she was pregnant and crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. So hope is found this morning in this passage that God will keep his word, that we will trust in God to keep his word. From the very beginning of the book, Genesis chapter 3, there was a son that was promised in the garden when Adam and Eve fell, when they sinned. It's not a new, it wasn't a new plan at this moment. It wasn't a new plan at the time that when Jesus came that God just thought this up and said, hey, this is a good idea. Jesus was the plan all along. Jesus was the Redeemer all along. He was the Messiah all along. And God stayed true to that over the course of time in his perfect frame. In his perfect timing, God sent his son Jesus to this world. 
And if God will be faithful to his promise, which we see the whole Old Testament pointing to Jesus Christ, pointing to the Messiah, if God is faithful to keep his word and to keep his promise that he's so willing to give up his only son, then we can trust him here today also that he will keep his word, that he will provide for us, he will care for us, he will love us, and he will protect us. Romans 8, 28, that all things will work for our good if we love God. We can hang on to this hope that no matter how bad things get, we have a Savior who never ceases in his love for us. We have a Messiah who never washes his hands of us. We serve a Savior who never looks away from us and says, I'm done with you. And that's good news. We have hope that we can trust God to keep his word. And this morning, I would encourage you through this season, because let's be honest, Christmas time, although that we all rejoice, although we celebrate, and most of all of us look forward to this time, Christmas is not always, the holiday season is not always full of good, happy emotions. Some of us in here are facing this holiday season maybe without a loved one for the first time in our life. Maybe we've lost a job. Maybe there's tension with family members. Maybe there's something that's happening through this Christmas time and this holiday season that evokes memories that aren't necessarily pleasant. And what the enemy wants us to do is he wants us to be able to grasp onto these things, take our focus off of Jesus Christ, and become discouraged to give way to doubt and then to lead to our despair. But my brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you this morning that there is a source of hope for us, and we can trust him to keep his word. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Secondly, the second source of hope is that we can trust God to honor his son. We can trust God to honor his son. Verses 3 through 5. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down, and a third of the angels of heaven cast them down through the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. This passage of Revelation, this verses 3 through 5 of, of chapter 12, this son, this babe, this is Jesus Christ. The red dragon is Satan trying to devour, trying to destroy, trying to do away with this newborn babe. And if you look at it, if you think about it, if you have biblical experience, if you've done the Sunday school thing, or, or if you're able to stay awake through my messages, then we know that this is not a new thing at Jesus' time for there to be plots to kill newborn baby boys. If you think about it, 
sons, the enemy has been moving since the very beginning to do away with this threat of a Messiah coming, of a son of God being born that will, that will thwart all of the plans and the schemes of the enemy. I mean, we can even trace this back to, if you'll read in your, in your Bible, the book of Genesis records that the enemy, that the devil, that Satan came, came upon Cain and he slew Abel. So even from that moment, the enemy was trying to wipe out anyone who could be a threat to becoming a son of God, this Messiah, this Savior. We see it all throughout. We see it with Pharaoh, with Moses, during Moses' time when he decreed that all of the young children, all of the young boys be eliminated. We see it littered throughout the Old Testament. We see it with Pilate, with Jesus during his time. It was not new for this threat that the enemy would want to rise up and eliminate any possibility of a Messiah being born. But we see that through the lens of Scripture where God was true to his Son. He promised a Son. He promised a Savior. He promised a Messiah. He promised a Redeemer. He promised one that would stand in the gap, that would intercede on your behalf and on my behalf. He promised this from way back in the Garden of Eden, and nothing that the enemy could do, try as he may, try as he might, through his best efforts, nothing that the enemy could do could stop the will of the living gods. And my living God, my friends, that has not changed today. That was true then. That's true now. Amen? Nothing that the enemy can do will thwart, will cancel, will stop what God is doing. We can have hope in him because we can trust in him because he honored his son. And the beautiful part about his son is that he didn't just come. He didn't just live. He didn't just die. He didn't just resurrect. He didn't just ascend into heaven where he's seated at the Father's right hand, making intercession, serving as an advocate for you and I. But he's also coming back. He's coming back for his church, his bride. He is coming back for those who faithfully serve him and follow him. And if God was true, and if God could be trusted, with all of those other areas, with the incarnation, with the birth, with the life, with the death, with the resurrection, with the ascension, then God can surely be trusted with him coming back. With him coming back. And when there's no other source of hope, we cling to that hope. Thirdly this morning, We can trust God to care for his people, to care for his people. Let's look at verse 6. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Just a little side note here. Does anybody know what the significance of the 1,260 days is? Like for sure knows? Good, me neither. <laughs> Y'all thought I was getting ready to get real deep right there, didn't you? 
Numbers are hard. Okay, people, numbers are hard. But notice what happens here. After the birth of the son, we've, we've established that this, this, this woman, it's the nation of Israel, is God's people. It's God's people. And you, you can trace this, this thread into like 2 Peter uh, 3.16, I believe it is. Romans 11 all talks about this mystery of this remnant that the it's not just the nation of Israel now but it's also including the Gentiles which is really stinking good news for us because we're all Gentiles so to be included in that is really good but we see that she flees into the wilderness anybody felt like your life's been a wilderness ever anytime always always okay she fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she will be nourished. My friends, take hope this morning in our Savior. Take hope this morning in God the Father. Why? Because he will care for us. He will provide for us. He will sustain us. He will strengthen us. He will comfort us. He will encourage us. Now, everything that happens may not be what we would choose to happen. We will face things in this life. Jesus talked about suffering more than he really he did anything else. In this life, there will be suffering. There will be difficult moments. There will be times that we would choose, if we had a choice, we would not choose to go through those times. But we're going to be thankful during this Christmas season for the hope that no matter what we face, He cares for us. He loves us. He provides for us. He strengthens us. Even when we think that we cannot go another step, our help comes from the Lord. Because we know, we know where our help comes from. And that's Jesus Christ. I want to ask Scott, if he would, to come back up this morning. You see, this has given us in Revelation chapter 12, this has given us a look into the salvation story, the birth story of Christ from a future standpoint. We've seen it from Isaiah in the past. We read it in the Gospels of the early church that applies to us present day. But we get this, this is almost playing out and written like some type of Shakespearean drama. You know, with a red dragon, diadems on his head. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a wonderful imagery, and it's a very, very moving and image-driven storytelling, but it's telling us about a war, a spiritual battle that's taken place and is still raging. But here's something that's even, even more so that we can be thankful for this morning. We can be thankful because he wins. We can be thankful because God wins. Period.
no matter how bad things look, no matter how how badly we feel about things and the shape of things. And you know what? I, I agree. There's, that, that's, those are valid. But in the end, as sons and daughters of God, we win because the battle has already been won. And that's what we're celebrating during this Christmas season is the source of the victory for the battle came in the form of a newborn baby. Will you pray with me this morning? God, allow this word to take root in our hearts. And God, allow it that even if we get to the place that we're facing something that we would consider to be the size and the power of of something like a dragon, God, that we can still look and see that there is hope in you, that you are our provider, You are our comforter, you are our strength, and you are our source. God, we're so thankful for you. We're thankful for your son who came as a babe lying in a manger, lived for us, died for us, resurrected for us, ascended, and is coming back for us. Father, allow that to overwhelm us this week as we celebrate this Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen. Now this morning, if you're here, before we do anything else, if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, I want to urge you to come. Now we're not going to be singing this morning. Scott is going to be playing softly in the background. And if you're here, I'm going to ask you to come and give your heart to Jesus Christ. If you're here and you're a believer, you already know him as your Lord and Savior, I want to ask you to take these few moments and concentrate on him, on the hope that you have in him, and maybe some of the situations that you have allowed to take your focus off of him. So let's take a few moments and concentrate on our Savior this morning.